Hi again, welcome to Wessex Ways. I am Headley. And I am Paul. And uh, what what do you do, Paul? Uh, I just I make videos and put them on YouTube and waffle about generally the south of England, largely Wessex. What about you, Headley? What are you, who are you, Headley? What do you do? Well, that's a good question. Um, I am uh, known uh, as an aerial photographer of historic landscapes, uh, but uh, YouTuber sounds... Well, you don't know. You're not YouTuber, are you? You're a filmmaker <laughs> and YouTuber's your outlet. But either way, what you do is what all of my kids want to do when they grow up. So, uh, <laughs> all the kids do, <laughs> don't they? All the kids they do. do. They do. And what have you been up to this last oh, uh, couple of well, weeks or I've, so? I've made a video with you, Headley. I don't know if you remember, but last week we went out and made a video, didn't we? Yeah, I seem to remember something happening. It's quite good, yes. yes. And the sun was shining, and what a, what a good day that was. Yes, it was. And I think we've hopefully now put to bed uh, something that we've been waffling a long time on here about, and it seems a long time now, four episodes worth, where we've been <laughs> debating the true source of the River Thames, which sends everyone to sleep now we've done it so often. So I think uh, we decided that that was a good foundation for a video of yours and uh, yeah. that I think without giving anything away I think uh, we've probably come to the a conclusion I think so yeah I think so it was it was a good day it was mm. it, it seemed to flow excuse the pun it seemed to flow very well so mm. um yeah I'm I'm pleased that I hope it I hope it does well I hope it really hope mm. it does well it's about time because it's been a bit rubbish on youtube lately january always is yeah, um, but so yeah. no, but honestly, it I found it really fun. I've I've been on a what this is my third video I've been involved with yours now, and it was just it's some it's an itch I've had to scratch for a while. This this source of the Thames thing, mm. and uh, as you probably noticed, and I just think I was I had fairly high expectations going into that day. I was quite yeah. excited, as you know, and it exceeded it. It was brilliant. Um, I, I've learned quite a lot from that day. So, <laughs> good <yes>. stuff. I mean, <laughs> yes. other than, other than that, we've done a couple of walks along the Wilts and Barks Canal. Um, other than, and outside of that, I've just been editing like a machine <laughs> lately. I've, I'm sort of two or three videos ahead, which is a rare thing. So I've got mm. two videos published for the next two weeks already, which is very rare uh, for me. So I've, I've sort of spent about two or three days just editing, 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 mm. including that Thames video that we did, the source of the Thames. Mm. Um, oh, I put so much work into that in terms of all of the different facets of it. And again, we're, we're not going to go into detail now, but no. there, there's a lot of different facets to that video and trying mm. to sort of um, make it into a YouTube video without being a YouTube video and still trying to um, make it a, a film that we put on YouTube. Um, yes, but I'm, I'm going to waffle about YouTube a bit later, Headley. Um, so we'll come, I, to that, I want, we'll come to that a bit later. I want that video to do well. I mean, it's just, it's just something that I found really, really fascinating. And yeah, it's a good day out. <clears throat> so yeah, yeah. where about some, where about some of the Kennet and Avon? Did you walk? Not the Kennet, the Wilts and Barks. The Wilts and Barks. Wilts and Barks. Yeah. We did. There's a stretch which has got um, seven locks, literally. Hmm. So if you imagine Canehill locks, but smaller. Yeah. Um, okay. Seven locks, and it's kind of between Dauncey 
and let's just say uh, southwest Swindon. So think of okay. um, Roughton and go down yeah. the Wilson Bucks another 10 miles or less yeah. than maybe 10 miles, maybe four, five or six miles southwest of Wil- uh, Swindon. Yeah. And you come to an old stretch where there was seven locks on the Wilson Bucks Canal. They've done up sort of three or four of them. They've parked done up one. Uh, one of them's completely abandoned and destroyed and there's nothing there. So there's quite yeah. a mix of um, bits to see, shall we say, on that small stretch. It's only like half a mile. Mm. Um, there's four or five different landowners. Some give permission. Some, is if it's a pathway, some of it is not permissive and completely do not enter, otherwise you'll be shot. Um, so even that half mile stretch, it proved quite an interesting um, half a day. So that's a film coming mm. soon. Um, yeah, fascinating little place, and um, definitely advise um, everyone to go and have a walk there, but not past the um, barbed wire, passive aggressive <laughs> um, gentleman that owns a last stretch. But more of that in the video. Mm, interesting. <laughs> yeah, so I've, I've I've come across one or two people like that myself on my travels. To be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not fun. But there we go. Need, yeah. Needs must. So yeah. what are you headed? What what have you been up to in the last couple of weeks, other than oh. making videos with famous YouTubers? <laughs> yeah well uh top of my list obviously um so um that sounded sarcastic didn't it, it didn't <laughs> um, so yeah i did a uh oh what have i done so i've done a 13 mile ridgeway hike on my own in the wet oh. in the rain in the wind in the cold um and that that for a big lad like me was quite a challenge i'll be honest with you um I did another walk around Whitnam Clumps and along the Thames there. So the Earth Trust, who own Whitnam Clumps, have uh, got something called River of Life, where they're kind of managing the, the banks of the river and they're creating newt ponds and and things like that. Um, yeah. So sort of exploring that a little bit. Uh, I had a meeting with them as well because I've got my uh, exhibition coming up there. Um, I did another walk, which was nine miles. That was Lowbury Hill, so yeah. local to me. Um Lowbury Hill will probably be my subject, in fact, will be my subject a bit later on because it's my favourite place locally. Um, went over to Aldworth to visit the best pub in Britain, uh, mm-hmm. the Bell. Um, you go in, they got uh, sort of camera awards, so the Campaign for Relau awards all oh, okay. over the walls. And the place hasn't been refurbished since probably the, I don't know, since saxon times yeah. <laughs> um but it means it's authentic it's nice it's all stone and the, the yeah. food's lovely and drink I'm, I'm not promoting it um went to see aldworth church which has got the uh aldworth giants in and i'm not going to describe that now because i haven't researched that um but beautiful church saxon church so 1200 years old with the original yew tree in the grounds oh i love that um yeah uh, i did i met up with some bloke and his missus to find the source of the thames really? uh, that was a good day out uh so what else did i do yeah so um i was invited i posted a picture on instagram um of an old barn that i passed on the thames and the farmer contacted me and yeah. said um that's my barn and i thought that was the beginning of a conversation <clears throat> about flying drones over property but in mm-hmm. fact uh it transpired he wanted photos taken <clears throat> of his farmhouse as well so right. that turned into a drone job uh and wow what a place beautiful i'm not going to say where it was uh obviously for privacy use, uh, reasons but 
beautiful, beautiful farmhouse, uh, beautiful grounds. Um, we met a guy, uh, <laughs> when we were looking around the grounds, uh, we met a guy who was uh, doing some deer shooting. Um, okay. Obviously quite controversial. Um, but he crawled out of the bushes wearing full SIS <laughs> camouflage gear <laughs> with what looked to be a five-foot gun over his shoulder and oh a tripod and it's like scared the living hell out of me yeah uh so that was quite good um i did an evening shoot uh of the whitnam clumps while it was flooded that was again really really beautiful and uh what else did i do i think that's bad oh no yeah so at work uh terminal four baggage went down on my shift so yeah. i had to recover <laughs> terminal four uh, he throw from an it fault so we got there which was the main thing so that was quite good <laughs> a fun week then <laughs> fun week yeah and that's some fun big week. walks as well you know i mean 13 miles is a long way i mean it, it is in the bad yeah. weather yeah the eggs yes absolutely yeah, yeah that's the key isn't if it? you're i find if you're on your own it, it feels a bit longer so if you go yep. for a hike with friends so we did a 15 and a half mile one recently similar kind of route with friends and yeah. you're talking the whole way and before you know it, it's over yeah, agreed, um, yeah but if if you're on your own it, it just feels like it's going on forever yeah. sort of thing but uh yeah no it's, it's it's quite good um you know was out today as well went to find the source of the 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 ginge or ginge brook um not quite as glamorous as finding the source of the thames oh yeah but, um, I, but i'm now a bit obsessed with this because i saw your mm. i saw that post and I mm. haven't had time to have a look at it properly in terms of what it mm. is or what it was. But I, I again, mm. it just piques your interest, doesn't it? You just thought, oh, OK. Mm. And all of a sudden, yeah. like, right, I'm going to have a look at that later. Because that's, uh, you know, it, it, who cares if it's the Thames or if it's the Seven or whatever. I think I was having withdrawal symptoms from the video that we made. Yeah. And, and it was kind of like, but it wasn't quite spectacular. You know, whilst <clears> you had us traipsing all over the Cotswolds, this was kind of like we got two, three miles down the road and there's the source. It's like, well, that's that. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, but, but how did you know the source? What what gave you the what? What, what um, did you know the source? We did this without maps, so I knew where it flowed, and yeah. so we went there and just followed it upstream, uh, which <laughs> didn't last very long because it, you know, a quarter of a mile upstream, it just came out the ground. I'm like, well, there it is. Then. Okay. And so is it, up, it was a spring beyond almost. that is the hills. It is a spring, basically. It's yeah. a culverted spring, um, but the water is so clear because it's a chalk stream. Um, yeah. I think. You know, Fergal Sharkey on the you know eighties yep. uh, pop star, um, he's obsessed on Twitter with chalk streams and their their management and care. Yeah, and um, he would have loved this. I mean, it was absolutely the water was clear as a bell, and underneath it's kind of you got chalk along the side, and underneath you can actually see the bedrock. So it's it wow. was really really clear. Um, but yeah, it was it was good. And then we went back up and found Grimm's Ditch. So uh, I'm slowly simmering in the background of a project with Anna Dillon on uh, photographing and her painting Grimm's Ditch through the Berkshire Downs so oh, we've been mapping it. it out from above from the air and yeah. so I've got a little bit of that in today as well and got uh, quite a prominent section of it. Which I don't, I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent but uh, I, mm. I, I, Grimm's Ditch is a fascination it really is a fascination or Grimm's Dyke or Grimm the Devil's Ditch or whatever it's called mm. uh, it, it, I, I'm continually obsessed with it and yet not going to make a video out of it yet because I mm. don't know how to sell it or do it or talk about it or it gets it, it's so a long. difficult one yeah it's really difficult because where do it you is. start where do you start and it's also not just one ditch either so no that it's it's 
old enough not to have an explanation of, of what it was and yeah. why it's there. However, what we have noticed is where we found Grim's Ditch or one of the Grim's Ditches through the Berkshire Downs, it roughly follows modern parish boundaries. And that then, a bit like one's like kind of puts it into a yeah uh, a, you, you know what i mean um a maybe semi defensive <clears throat> yeah. uh dividing kind of thing you know um so it doesn't seem to be it, it just doesn't really have an explanation uh and the funny thing is when we we're flying the drone in the summer in you know when we had 40 degrees in july you know everyone mm. else was kind of pouring water over themselves and staying indoors with fans on whereas i grabbed my drone and you know sweated my way up onto the downs and and sent it up and you could see grim's ditch in areas that it's just not mapped it's yeah. a perfect line going along the ground so yeah um we've we've managed to map quite a lot of it and um you know, yeah but, did you see but did selling it's a difficult one it is yeah <laughs> did you see the post that i did in your group um with a map yesterday I don't remind me. Right, so I, it was probably yesterday lunchtime or something. I put a mm. a post. Mm. It was only a map of like mm. a, a, an OS map from like 1900 or 1890, and mm. it was a section of um, Grim's Ditch, which said mm. mapped in 1890, but they'd labelled it Roman Road. And I've been fascinated mm. with this for a long time because there's a section, mm. Grovely Wood, to the west of Salisbury. So if you go Salisbury. Um, towards the Mendips, but only just out of Salisbury, Wilton, up into mm. the ridge um, along the woods, Grovely Woods. There's mm. Grim's Ditch, mm. and it, it but it wiggles like really, really, really wiggles. Um, mm. There's even a bit where it's S shaped; it almost goes back on itself. But the yes. map makers of the time labelled that Roman Road, and I'm just like that's just that's bonkers. Clearly, it's bonkers it's yeah. because a hundred yards north of it is the Roman Road. And if you go there, okay. you can see the Roman Road. You can see the agra of the Roman mm. Road perfectly straight all the way through Grovely Woods and on to the Mendips. Mm. Um, yeah. But nevertheless, uh, my fascination and obsession of the moment is not so much how they got it wrong, because yeah. that's fine. Mistakes happened and, and people talk, they talk to locals. What's this called? What's that called? That's how mistakes happened. Fine. But it's kind of like, how did it stick? Then every map, there's about five or six other maps until 1920, which all mm. label this S shape. I mean, literally an S goes back on itself and under at one point. That's it, yeah. And it That's wiggles right, yeah. all the way underneath these woods. I mean, properly mm. wiggles, not even mm. following the contour, it just wiggles. And they labelled it Roman Road for about three or four miles, Roman Road. And I'm just a, a bit obsessed with why they didn't go, hang on a minute. I don't know, it's a cliche, Roman roads are straight, they're not really straight, mm. but they do follow straight yeah. lines. But, but they're this logical, just, yeah. Yeah, they're logical. This mm. is like an S-shape, which is clearly illogical and some. And yet they mm. labelled it Roman Road. And I'm a bit fascinated as to why, not why they made the mistake, because I get they made the mistake, but how they got to that point. Did they take local mm. advice? Did they even look at it? Because it doesn't look like a Roman Road. It looks like a Grim's mm. Ditch. It's got a, a, yeah. a ditch and a, and a bank on one side. Classic mm. Grim's Ditch as there ever was. But mm. they've labelled it Roman Road, and I'm just a bit obsessed with it. <laughs> Frankly, yeah. it's 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 fascinating the area around here um, where it goes because you've got the ridgeway uh, running roughly east to west, and then you've got to the north of the ridgeway at the bottom of the hills 
so there's a line of hills. You've got the ridgeway running along the top. You have at yeah. the bottom on the north, you have the Icknilled Way, which now is modern roads mainly. Yeah. And then between the two, you have Grimm's Ditch, which runs sort of halfway up the scarp of the hills all the way along. So yeah. it, it, it's funny how it's, it's always seems to be on, on a slope on the scarp of yeah, the hills. Yeah, off of the ridge. The least, it's always off the ridge, yeah, yes. Yeah. The least logical place to put it. So, yeah. um why is that? But I'd, yeah, I'd love to. I, I mean, know. yeah, metaphorical question. But why would that? Why would they do mm. that? They do. There's it a section. There's a section near Lowbury Hill where it crosses Juniper Valley, and again, I'll waffle on about that in a few minutes. But it, it's mapped there, and in fact, recently it was kind of. I'm, I'm trying not to, just in case the landowner listens to this on Spotify. <laughs> um, I'm trying to be careful here, but they had issues with quad bikes going yeah. up there and destroying the land and so the person who i assume is the landowner decided to build a bank and a ditch to stop the bikes going in so the intent was good but in doing so they also cut through grim's ditch which yeah. is a scheduled monument and probably landed themselves in a bit of trouble doing that but yeah it continues across juniper valley and then it just disappears and I had all sorts of theories that it popped up here, here and here. And, you know, I've been getting the drone up and we just couldn't fathom it out at all. And we, we still yeah. can't. I know where I like it to be because I've seen earthworks that look like Grimm's Ditch. But it kind of it's, it's like joining the dots. It's kind of there's a bit in between that we yeah. just cannot fathom out at all. Mm. Um, and we've tried flying in summer, in the middle of the winter and just cannot. And we've been looking at LIDAR as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's a real... Around Lowbury Hill, it's a real puzzle. You've got very clearly defined Grimm's Ditch there and there. And between the two, there's a lot going on. But yeah. it's just, yeah, we can't quite fathom it out. But it's, no, it's, it's not interesting It's not interesting enough to be a Paul and Rebecca Whitewick video. Oh, um, yeah, learn how to say it. It's, it, it? it's going to be the death of me, that one, I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've got a bit just up... Um... Here, about six or seven miles from where we are in Andover, mm. Uh, mm. north of there, there's a Duke Causeway, which we've done plenty of videos on. Yeah. And yeah. there's Grimm's Ditch. And as ever, mm. it sits about 100 metres, maybe less than 100 metres, 70 metres off the top of the ridge. And it's mm. crazy. How, why, you know, that should mm. tell us what it's about. It should give us a good indication yeah. of why it's there. If they always, or nine times out of ten, it was built off of a ridge. Mm. then that should give us yeah. some kind of indication but if, i feel like it doesn't and, and yeah it doesn't really make sense i mean if if it's defensive then i guess if it's halfway down a ridge and your bit is the high bit behind yeah it would be a good place to fight people off as they try and come yeah. up the hill but i don't know it are the barcher down steep enough for that and yeah. if that's the case why don't we see it at really steep places places like uffington whitehorse hill and, and yeah I don't get it. I, I, I don't get it. And there's no documentation on it that I know of. And so if anyone listening to this video on Spotify, get in contact with us. If you're yeah. listening stroke watching on YouTube, there's a doobly do doobly do doobly do doobly do down there in the comments. The comments. Any information on Grimm's Ditch that's not just off from Wikipedia, they put it down yeah. there and yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess archaeological. I mean, they they date it clearly. Mm. I understand it's like five hundred BC and a bit further mm. back. Is that? I think that sounds about right. Yeah, so, and again, it's a bit too far back. I mean, you've got you know a lot of the Saxon battles 
after, you know, a, a way after that, you know, you're talking sort of eight seven to yeah. eight sixty eight sixty five onwards, and they're documented, and they're usually documented by maybe a priest that was involved in the battle yeah. or something. Um, but going back further, I mean, there's there's nothing on these ditches, no. it's, and as you say, they're everywhere. They're they're mm. they're quite prevalent. Mm. So news wise, what news. have I been doing? I've been preparing for my talk at Oxford University on the Ridgeway Day School. Um, yeah, yep, that's I've written a little bit of that. <laughs> I better get the rest done. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be interesting. I mean, people not for me, but people like david miles speaking there and you know and and so there's quite a lot of prominent speakers there and i i'm getting the impression that i'm kind of the the uh the half an hour period of relaxation between the more academic types to be honest with you um but yeah it's gonna be good i'm gonna basically yeah, talk about spot. drone flying on the ridgeway yeah it's um, good, good spot to have hmm. and i spoke to david miles about it actually and had a good chat with him uh he called me couple of days back and um there's some interesting news coming up i can't mention it now but there's potentially some interesting news coming up about the uffington white horse um okay so i might be roped into some photography there um oh one thing was disputed in the last video okay so i was rabbiting on about drone flying in the last video um so one of my friends, Russ, Russ Pinder. Hi, Russ. I know you listen to this. Um, great guy. Flies uh, what I call a bug smasher, you know, a light aircraft, <laughs> and does proper aerial <laughs> photography. So he's got a proper SLR camera and he's hanging out of his uh, aircraft. Yeah. So I, I can't compete with that, obviously. Um, <clears throat> uh, but he he mentioned about the 500 foot. I remember I said aircraft can't, can't go yeah. below 500 foot. Yeah. Apparently I was wrong. I'm not going to dispute it. You can't get within 500 feet of people. So, yeah, you can go below 500 feet with a light aircraft. Uh, how does that work then, I wonder? So you I could be know. flying your drone up to 400 feet quite legally yeah. and safely. And then Russ comes along in his plane. That's Who's going to win then, that battle? Well, well. <laughs> Me because I'm not in my drone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but just the problem is, lighter. the problem I have there is that if I do, you know, if if I do, you know, crash with Russ up there and he falls out of the sky and there's a disaster, then the problem is he's usually the one that buys the coffees when we go out. So I'm going to have to start oh, buying. So, so you've stuff. lost so, then heavily. Really. So I think there the drone rules probably, you know, <laughs> probably sort of help a little. <laughs> Sorry, Russ. I feel mm. bad now. <laughs> No, he's a good chap, though. He's a good, good chap. Good. Yeah. I've got two small bits of news, if you're done, Hedley. Just, a, like, mm. really quirky little bits, if, if that makes sense. So we did a video once, probably a year ago, if not sort of seven months ago, from uh, what's called the Strawberry Line, or it's a Cheddar Line. It goes, um, mm. it went from sort of Bristol direction down into sort of Cheddar direction. I, I can't remember the exact stations, but one of the stations on there was called Congressbury, and a, a bit of disused station. And it's on a pathway or probably a cycle route. Can't remember the exact details, but a wonderful team have been down there and cleared mm. this vegetation. Because when we went there, we just about sort of poked around in the hedge and you can just about see the old masonry from the station, Congressby Station. Beautiful thing. And all these volunteers from the local area have gone down there and they've cleared mm. like 200 yards each side of vegetation. Yeah. So all of a sudden now you've got this wonderful old picturesque um, masonry lined 
mm. platforms and it looks beautiful and i just thought i'd love to mention that because that you know it, it's i love it when a little community sort of comes together and they all yeah get busy and make their area sort of a, a big tip to the old railway that was there in their heritage then that was really really quite interesting so, but um, vegetation doesn't usually stop you, though, does it? I was talking to Rebecca about this when we were doing the filming. You walking along, three of us, <laughs> then you'll quite happily throw yourself down into a ditch and start poking around with a camera. And oh, I love that! Love that! It's, it's a good you're feeling. You're in your natural it? habitat. It's a, it's a good feeling. I, you know, I always think that. I always think that. Do you know what? I can, I, I can physically, and I'm privileged enough to be able to be outside. Because mm. there's many that can't. I just, yep. Do you know what? Yeah. I, I will always try and savor that ability to just yeah. dive in a hedge and hurt myself probably but look an idiot yeah. but who cares because I, I i love the you know I try, it's as, brilliant i think brilliant. as you get older you sort of appreciate the silly little things in life don't you and that's definitely one of them yeah um, no do it do it while you can but yeah, that's, 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 well done the team mm. at congress but i don't know who they yeah, are yeah that's good but that really good. really good to see and <clears throat> finally another quick thing i've been obsessing about um sunken lanes should mm. probably be a whole topic um of another another podcast i'm sure but i yeah. came across one of these really sort of rubbishy clickbaited newspaper local newspaper mm. articles and that sort of led me on to the, the wider picture that um i think it might be bournemouth i might be wrong but bournemouth mm. university are doing a project where they are going to try and map oh. hundreds of sunken lanes so mm. you're probably immediately thinking of urchfont in wiltshire yeah, Urchfont, where you did a yeah. drone shot yeah looking yeah. up it so there's loads of those. There's loads of those in in um, Dorset. So we're going to go and look at those quite soon. But um, yeah, I think I think it's Bournemouth University. Oh, I could be wrong. Mm. Who are basically going to map it? But they're not just mapping it. They're sort of using sort of um, almost like on-site lidar, for want of a better word. Mm. So they're literally okay. they're going to put they put down these probes in the middle of the lane and they map every little detail. All of the sort of the nooks and the crannies along the 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 the, the, um, the lane. I don't know why. Mm. It's a long term project that probably sort of looks at how they how they change over over time. But I just thought, do you know what? I'm going to get a little bit obsessed with that because it's fascinating. Yeah. They're beautiful pictures, aren't they? Oh yeah. They're, I mean, they. I think they've. I think I read someone tagged us on Twitter yesterday. I think, and I think they've yep. done Dorset already. Oh really. Um, I think, you know, I, I haven't had a lot of time, to be honest with you, but um, I'm pretty sure that Dorset's already done. I'm a bit and, behind uh, there in that case. That would be great. I mean, I've, there's a few, Surrey's got some nice ones. I don't, I don't think yeah. they're within Wessex remit. And we obviously at the moment, our remit seems to be a little bit too far to the east and we need to spread to the west somehow. But um, Sunken Lanes, I mean, they make beautiful pictures, yeah. um, you know. And, and what I did is for... I'm probably going to print one up for our Wiltshire exhibition, our Wessex Airscapes. But I, I the one you're on about in Urchfont, I actually flew the drone up. I thought you just did. under the canopy of the trees. Yeah. And then took pictures down into the uh, ditch. The um, yeah, and it, it's it's amazing, absolutely amazing, what you can get, especially in the autumn as well, when you've got the yeah, canopy yeah, of the of trees course. and you know. Yeah. 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 Super. No, I love sunken lanes. Well, I'm done yeah. for news headlines. Yeah, my my um. Two mm. news items that I thought were worthy of worthy That's of a mention. Good. Well, we got. Um, I'm, I've got a topic today, Lowbury Hill. But did you have? Did you have a topic? Well, my topic was. Going to be, I, I was inspired by your drone topic last week. I thought, well, you're mm. going to do this Lowbury Hill, so mm. that's sort of a bit more informative. So I thought, do you know what? I'll do a quick how to YouTube. Oh, 
because I That's get I get idea. asked so many questions, and I can mm. bullet point it nicely and succinctly. I think. Um, so yeah, mm. do you want to fire with Lowbury? Yeah, or, sure. Yeah. So um, if anyone listening on. YouTube, I guess, is the easiest thing. So if you don't want to hear me waffling about a beautiful area that I love called Lowry Hill and you prefer to get ahead with your YouTube, then use the slider here just to fast forward it a little bit. But um, um, hopefully people will stay with me. But uh, speaking of which, which, if you are listening or watching on YouTube, because we do have this on YouTube and podcast, as Headley said, then um, we often put pictures of what we're talking about as, as mm. overlay, so it's not just our yeah. ugly mugs for an hour. We're, so Headley's going to waffle now about Lowbury Hill, and you're going to send me a bunch of pictures, right, Headley? Yes, not? that's that's the way it's done. That's the, <laughs> yeah, that's the way it's done. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, that, that's the best best way to do it. But I think we probably most of our listeners are on Spotify or Apple thingy, whatever it's called, yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, but we do have a YouTube channel as well where we can provide illustration to what we're saying. Hmm. Um, which is called Wessex Ways as well, so look that up on YouTube. So, Lowbury Hill. Um, I came across it accidentally. Um, It's probably about three and a half miles from where I'm sitting now. It's kind of my local high point. Um, It's in the Berkshire Downs, um, and it's a hill. It's 186, 187 metres high, so... We're not exactly talking the Alps here, but... So, you know, sorry, are we east or hmm. west of, of where you're sitting now? So I'm in Didcot, and yep. this is to the southeast. Southeast, um, okay. And it's right beside the Ridgeway. Um, there is no easy way to get to it. Um, oh, look at that, yeah. Very well, remote. Wow, okay. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm, um, for the benefit of anyone listening, I'm actually now looking on Google Maps and, and um, OS Maps yeah. so I can I can follow what Headley's saying. So forgive me yeah. for my wows so, and um, and This is where I've got to get it right. I'm not going to get my directions right. <laughs> but there, there are three main ascents. So you can go from Streetly Warren, uh, so near the village of uh, Streetly. Um, <clears throat> and that, that's a, a, a reasonably steep climb up the Ridgeway followed by a little bit of flat, and then you've got to kind of leave the ridgeway and divert a little bit. Uh, You can ascend from Compton in Berkshire. Um, Nice gentle climb. Not very scenic, I would say, but it's it's a relatively good climb. Um, You can, and the way I usually go, because it's obviously from my house, is from uh, what we call the Dryers. There's a little parking place uh, just to the south of Aston Tyrold. Oh, and yeah. you can ascend you can ascend there up through Juniper Valley. Now, Lowbury Hill is very remote. Um yeah. the immediate appeal to it, we do guided walks up there. So myself, Anna and a, a lady uh, who runs a walking uh, organization called Pipstick Walks. So Philippa, hello Philippa, I know she listens to this. Um, yeah. uh, we do we've been doing walks up there. Um and uh, Anna and myself, you know, and, and Philippa do stop and do a little bit of uh, guidance as to where we are and, and everything. Um, and um, the immediate appeal to it is are the views. So bearing in mind we're in the south of England, sort of southeast of England, you can see, oh, I've forgotten how many counties. I think it's seven counties you can see from the top. <laughs> and you've got 
kind of about 300 degrees worth of views from the top so it's not full 360 but it's not far off yeah um in every direction and it, it's wonderful i mean it, it's it's so open you feel like you're you know you look around it feels like you're on a mini version of dartmoor or something up there mm. you don't feel like you're in the middle of the south of england you don't see anyone else up there as, as well and yet it's convenient to get to kind of from the ridgeway um as far as access is concerned it hasn't really got a footpath going into it it's if yeah. you look on the os map there isn't um however and and also it's not marked as open access either but the farmer has put a pedestrian gate in with a sign saying keeps dog on a, keep dogs on a lead oh, that's good that's good i've been up there many a times i mean i go up there at least once a week um <clears throat> and i've seen the farmer up there spoken to him and ever such a nice bloke um not wanting to increase the footfall in any way i don't, I don't think we've got the reach for that but um mm -hmm. um it is definitely worth a diversion um so there, there's lots of things up there so one one thing at the top is you've got the outline on the top of the hill of a roman enclosure now some people yeah. say it's a roman temple some people say it's a roman building it's flanked on the north and the east by two barrows as well um and from those barrows they've excavated two people one they've called lowbury man uh who looks to be quite looked to have been quite prominent and wealthy and one uh called lowbury lady uh who quite the opposite um, I'm, and i'm not quite sure what orientation they were buried in but apparently that's significant yeah now down in goring nearby uh they recently did um a small exhibition for lowbury hill which had a number of artifacts um and that were and and it had one of my pictures and one of anna's pictures there mm -hmm. and there was a talk by a lady called summer courts now, Summer is doing a PhD in Lowbury Lady. I mean, it's a very, very specific PhD, mm. but she's heavily involved in the history of Lowbury Hill and, you know, the, the findings and various um, excavations up there. And um, I've been sending her pictures. In fact, I had an email from her asking if I'd be her aerial photographer. Um, I sent numerous pictures to her um, taken during the frost and the warm weather and we've discovered more earthworks on the top um okay. i'm not i'm not going to go into uh any more detail on that now because i don't know how you know, confidential that is or whatever but certainly there's something else up there and uh, she's yeah. now looking into that um and i'm going to be uh you know going up there and taking regular uh mm. photo shoots up there um it's uh there's this bit Lowbury Hills had a, a lot of sort of other bits of history attached to it. So um let's have a look. Yeah, so it was a dummy radio site during World War Two. So they put dummy masts up with lights on and everything. Okay. So to for the the, the Luftwaffe to empty yeah. their bombs before they got to anywhere more significant. Mm -hmm. There was a control room for that down in the valley as well. Yeah. Um which uh, you can just about see to this day as well. Yeah, and I really. believe one one of the German reconnaissance planes crashed up there as well. Okay. Um so you've got all of that. It's also touted as the most 
probable site of the Battle of Ashdown. Um, I've got to be very careful what I say here because there's no record that explains exactly where that happened. A yeah. lot of people think it might have happened over uh, towards Uffington, uh, especially as the Berkshire Downs used to be called Ashdown in, in their entirety. Yeah. Um, but the Battle of Ashdown, uh, or some people call it the Battle on the Hill, so it was King Ethelred, um, and you had the future King Alfred, Alfred the Great, um, basically two Saxon armies, and then the Danes were coming up after their victory at Reading, uh, and they wanted to probably take Wantage, so they're coming along the Ridgeway, and the Fairmile, which is a long straight path that goes yeah. from Lowbury Hill Got down that. to Molesford to cross the Thames, probably used to be the original path of the ridgeway and so you've got king standing hill there where it's likely that someone like alfred looked oh, out for I the see. days yeah, okay. yep. and then in the valley of unhill immediately to the east of lowbury hill they found certain uh, danish artifacts and of course it's called dean's bottom as well which yeah. comes from the original originally it was called dane's bottom so there's a lot of sort of naming evidence around there that maybe yeah. the battle happened there uh, but again, I don't want to say that because, you know, um, I'm going to be corrected by historians on that and accused of rewriting history. <laughs> but uh, there's a lot there's a lot of oysters on top of the hill as well, because the Romans used to eat oysters. They were a delicacy. Okay. So you can actually find oysters on the top. Just trying um, to think of where the nearest Roman road is or proper Roman road. Proper... There's um... probably one down going into... The village of Cholsey, coming out south of Cholsey, Cholsey oh, being to the north. Oh, you've got Tadley only. Yeah, I can see. Yeah, you've yeah. Got Tadley just further south. So that and yeah. I think Tadley to Oxford direction was wrong, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay. Um, there's there's a gentleman I'm going to give a bit of a shout out to here called Jason Warshall, and he has been busy recreating artifacts that have been found at Lowbury Hill. Yeah. Um, and if you, uh, and and again, if you want to see Lowbury. I think it's Lowbury Man. I think he's in the Valen Downland Museum. Um, so anyway, but anyway, the hill, the hill itself um, is, is is wonderful, and it's got valleys kind of to the to the north, to the east, and to the northwest. It's got three valleys going down from it. Yeah. Uh, Juniper Valley to the south. It won't be marked on an OS map as Juniper Valley. Um, is absolutely stunning. It's a triple SI. It's got juniper bushes growing in it, uh, in on the shady side, um, and it's just a really wonderful place. There's no mobile signal there at all, and it's mm. it's deadly quiet until one of the planes from Heathrow goes over. Mm. It's it's deadly quiet. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful valley, and then you've got Oven Bottom to the west. Now Oven Bottom is like Juniper Valley, is an open access area. Uh, I think it's meant to be the hottest place in Oxfordshire in the summer. Um, the problem is uh, the paths in there have recently been cut off. Um, well, yeah, because so, I'm looking at that now. Again, we, sorry for those yeah. who are on the podcast, we've got that mm. on the map on the YouTube video, and you can see it's it, two of those islands now, yeah? Yeah, so um, that ties in nicely with the video that you did recently yeah. on open access areas that you can't get to. <clears throat> and then to the east, you've got the Unhill Valley, uh, which is really, really beautiful, and you've got Grimsditch in that, and and then you've got the the big hills, unhill the other side, and that whole area is wonderful for sunset. So, what yeah. I plan to do in the summer, I've I've sold a few pictures actually of sunsets 
looking towards Lowbury Hill or from Lowbury Hill. Um, so in the summer, I'm going to get myself a decent head torch, go up there, get some aerial shots at sunset, and then uh, use the head torch to get sort of the 45 minute plus trek back down to the car. Yeah. Um, really don't fancy getting, you know, twisting my ankle in a rabbit hole on the <laughs> way down. There's also a lot of slippery chalk paths around there. So the ridgeways yes. and paths at the moment are really quite slippery. So you've got to be very, very careful. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a fascinating place. Mm. It's not um, dramatic in any way. But if you like your views and you like your solitary walks, Lowbury Hill is, is the place to go. Definitely. So I've I've been there before once, Eddie. Do you know why I've been there? Uh, yes, now I'm going to guess here. Yeah, I'm go going to guess. Yep. It will be something to do with the Didcot to Southampton Railway. Yeah. Which runs so, nearby, ran nearby. I'll bring up the map. But yeah, so if you head exactly two kilometres or 2.2 kilometres to the west. Hmm. Um, Churn Holt. Churn Holt. And I'll yep. zoom in on the map. So basically, yeah, there we go. Churnholt, it was north of Compton um, yep. on the Didcot, Newbury and Southampton Railway. And I'm mm. guessing it was south of Upton because I think Upton was a station before Didcot. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, and you can still see the um, the station at Upton. It's now a house and they've got the, yeah. the platform out the back. In, in, not that I've been looking in people's gardens, no. but uh, I am told that they've still got the platform in their rear garden. Let's, oh, let's put it that way. Well, you can walk um, a lot of that south of there. You can walk mm, a lot of the railway, it looks. To Didcot, yeah. Yeah, as you get towards this section we're talking about, back to um, Churn Holt, it mm. becomes private. I th- you know, we, this inspired, mm. this was this was sort of one of the videos that kicked us into making YouTube videos. Because this mm. is so remote, as you've already described, we thought, yeah. oh, wouldn't it be good to find some remote stations and tell their story? So find mm. a remote station and, and say, why is this station here? Because there's nothing there to serve it. And I think it was an mm. army camp in the First World War. And mm. rifle range. Yes, and they had a, it was a, a rifle range. That's right. Yeah, yeah, they had some competitions yeah. there, I think, didn't they? But you, you can't help but think with the DS... Sorry, the D... Did Cotton Newbury uh, DNSR. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't help but think, if that had still been running today, how fewer lorries you'd have going up and down the A34. Yeah. And... Um, and it's 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 wonderful. I mean, the the actual bit where the ridgeway itself crosses the DSNR yeah. is one of the pictures that I've sold the most of, and I've had oh, okay. um, a lady called Ruth Rothery paint it as well. I yeah. I do have an exclusive agreement with Anna Dillon on painting my pictures, but um, <laughs> with Ruth we made a bit of an exception, and um, it's really really nice. I put the drone up just to the west of that, over the railway. Yeah where the railway used to be itself yeah and then look look back at the the bridge and i've done it in all four seasons yeah and it's just such a lovely view you see the, the the railway going off into the distance um and yeah. it's the the whole area is really really nice it's very very quiet um it's not one of the better known parts of the ridgeway but as you go further east it then climbs up and then drops down into streetly warren which yeah. is a picture that i posted today and that that is better known it is uh, you know, lots of earthworks and a, a quite a deep valley. Um, and uh, I think James Dyson owns a lot of the, what, the land around there as well. Right. right. But, uh, yeah, lovely area. Yeah. And Lowbury Hill is, is the place I go to the most when I'm not at work. It's, you know, from my house, you can cycle it um, in an hour or so. You can um, park nearby and walk up there and it's you don't see anyone else. It's, it's really, really nice. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. A worthy walk and a worthy mention. 
definitely. Definitely. So I was I was going to waffle about YouTube again, inspired by your um, drone, how to drone last week. I thought it was really useful, mm. really interesting, quite insightful, even for someone that does fly a drone. Um, mm. Myself, I, I sort of found it very useful. Um, so I thought, well, you know what? Well, you you've done something that is pertaining to Wessex ways. I'll do something about YouTube because we're, we're often asked, um, especially about like a, we've got a bunch of patrons and they some of those have got YouTube channels. And they always say, oh, "How do you how do you do it? You know, what what what's the best thing to do?" And they always ask for advice. Mm. Um, and now, when we started out, I think our biggest mistake was we didn't really take advice. We just mm. made a YouTube video. Thought, oh, this is really good fun. Loved it. And then just plodded along. Oh, should we do another one? Yeah, let's do another video. Blah blah blah. Mm. And we fell into it that way of doing it, and that was great. But then we started going, okay, well, why is this video not got as many views as the last one? Why is this one not doing as well? All those sort of questions spiral in your head. Now you've sort of, now you're interested in the process. Mm. You start to sort of question, right, well, why is that video not doing so well? And people give you advice, but you rarely listen to it. It's it's a silly thing. You just go, oh, yeah, whatever. I'll just get on and do it. So my biggest piece of advice is listen to advice. That sounds a bit, bit strange, but, you know, there were, we had a few... Um, I don't know, you call them your peers. They said, oh, yeah, mm. why don't you change this? Or why don't you make your videos a bit shorter? Or change the thumbnail? And you're just like, well, I, I make it, so I know what I'm doing. And yeah, you're talking to people that have got 100,000 subscribers, so why, why hell am I not listening to this person? Um, now, one of the one of the most interesting things, what they always try and say, so I'll, I'll bullet point this. I'm not going to do a massive... Um, how to because that's an hour in its own you know right i sort of wanted to do a 10 15 minute waffle on it so i'll, I'll try and bullet point this and again the benefit of those watching on youtube is i'll put the bullet points up on the screen as well so bullet point number two is find your niche because if you're making a video about something yeah if i said to you right headley tell me all about drone photography and do a talk on it as you're going to do you'd you'd be in your element You'd be like, oh, right, well, if I said, right, yeah. how, how do I get a really good shot here? What do I do? You'd be you'd be stood there with a bit of passion in your voice because you'd know. Mm. You'd know what works. You'd know where the sun is. You'd know where this is. You know how the light's going to work. You know what lens is going to All these different things. And you talk about it with passion. And that's the mm. biggest, biggest thing that comes across on YouTube is you can watch somebody who doesn't have passion and you don't become interested. But if someone was, you know, someone said on one of our videos the other day, God, you could make a video about my ceiling and I'd probably still watch it because of the way you're talking about it. Mm. And I thought, well, that, that probably goes a long way because it sort of highlights that actually, you, if you're interested in something, you talk about it with passion and you can mm. really get across why you're so excited about this hedgerow or this ditch or the, the embankment or whatever it mm. is. And you can convey your interest in the viewer you've captured their imagination too whatever the subject so find your niche mm. um i won't do equipment because equipment's a bit boring suffice to say it doesn't really matter as long as you get the audio right people will continue to watch even if your visual isn't great people will still watch even if your mm. camera's a bit wonky or that shot's a tiny bit blurry for a second or two or you do jump cuts all the time. doesn't really matter with YouTube. People live on jump cuts. We try and make a nice processed film that you would hopefully find on a TV documentary or something nice. But it doesn't matter. I can spend hours trying to perfect a visual edit. 
but it doesn't matter as long as you get the audio right so use your phone doesn't matter as long as you get the audio right and that's the biggest sort of um production tip um mm. with editing um in terms of the, the that side of things get yourself a basic program get yourself something like iMovie on the apple or get yourself a real movie maker really basic thing first of all learn how that works and learn how a timeline works and then you can start to think about how it all fits together then you can sort of move up a level we we started on something called power director i think you can buy it for 50 yeah. quid or whatever that's what i use yeah. yeah and that's great do you know what that did us for two or three years rebecca mm. still uses it so if rebecca puts out a video out because she does sporadically rebecca still uses power director and it's, there's nothing wrong with it i mean there is something wrong with it but there's nothing wrong with it you can do a yeah. lot of stuff with it um yeah i was convinced to go over to adobe premiere pro and I'm pleased I did. It took me a while to make that jump from Power Director to Premiere Pro. Um, mm. But it wasn't beyond the realms of possibility. You just have to YouTube a few things. You have to YouTube, right, how do I do that on it? How do I do that? But when you mm. do it, there's so much more. And you mm. realise why that's kind of a, a step up. I don't want to sound pretentious, but it's, it's a step up. And it, there's a lot more you can do if you invest the time to learn how to do it. But Power Director is great. Mm. And if Adobe fell over tomorrow, I'd be back on Power Director tomorrow. Because but it's, it's the same with most, like, without wanting to advertise Adobe, so to speak. But yeah, in the ph photography world, you sort of progress to Lightroom, Adobe Lightroom. And, yeah. uh, you know, if it's it can be a bit overwhelming to, to begin with if you don't know what you're doing. But, you know, it, it's it's it is you pay for it and it's better yeah it's been you know and it's the same with premiere pro if you're going to make professional level videos that's going to be a, a more powerful tool than something like power director and you know yeah. i use power director but video is not necessarily my thing so for my fragile beginner mind it's great but if i was yeah, it still works as well and you, and if i was going to do it yeah. with the regularity and the professionalism that you do i, I wouldn't be using power director yeah sure it's, it, it's, it's an interesting subject and it's interesting to see what other people use. I think people use Final Cut Pro as well, um, yeah. things like that. But I think mainly uh, Adobe Premiere Pro is the way to go if you if you do it yeah. regularly, as, as Eddie says. Um, the other one I, think I wanted to touch briefly on the style of video that people make. Mm. And again, I would say with YouTube, anything can work if you, if you have the passion about it. But if you want mm. to learn... Find, find a YouTube channel that you love and try and copy that style, not the not the copy of the YouTube channel, but copy that yeah. style with your own take. So, you know, when we started out, there's three or four YouTubers that we really liked watching. So we thought, okay, well, let's learn. Right, watch a one-minute sequence of that person. And I'm still doing that today. Literally mm. today, I'm still doing that. Um, excuse me. I'm watching, um, I'm a bit obsessed at the moment, with a guy called Johnny Harris. Got like 3 million subscribers. And he's got a mm. team of people working for him. That edit yeah. for him and do all sorts. I think I mentioned to you before. But there's a lot of stuff in his videos. Which sort of is a level up in terms of production mm. value. And I'm all I'm doing is taking a 10 second clip from one of his videos. And I'm taking that to one side. And I'm saying right exactly how did he do that 10 seconds. I love it. And I'm hugely invested in this video he's made, 20 minutes long, and I'll watch every single one of his videos. But I'm obsessed with how he does it. So I literally take a 10-second clip, and I sit mm. down, 
put it in my timeline and go, right, exactly what's he done? What's that sound? Right, that's what they call a sting or a drop. So I can download those stings and drops where the sound goes, mm. like this. And, and yeah. all these little little things. So you'll notice a few of those in the Thames uh, Source video, Headley. Yeah, I don't know if you noticed, oh, but right. the first two minutes have got lots of weirdities. And that is all inspired by one person called Johnny Harris. But the point being, you can do this. Anyone can do it. I don't mean you, Headley, but anyone can do this. If you're interested in making a YouTube video, learn how to do it. Find somebody that you love in terms of watching it inspires you and learn how to do it because it's it's not difficult mm. if you just invest the time to try and sort of learn what you like about their videos, which is what we still do. Um, point number six, believe it or not, um, thumbnails, which is disappointingly the single most important thing on YouTube. Mm. Yep. So I always use the analogy that Steven Spielberg could call himself bob smith right hide himself in the pseudonym bob smith and he could make a fully fledged production a two-hour steven spielberg quality movie a brand new movie he could set up a youtube channel under the name bob smith and he could put his 20 billion pound production on the youtube channel and it would flop immediately right because nobody knows it's him he hasn't got a big following and he's put a thumbnail out that's not attractive. Mm. Right? So if nobody sees that thumbnail, or the way YouTube works is, let's say you've got 100 subscribers, right? YouTube will potentially show that 100 people. Or they won't. They'll show 10 people. But let's say they show that 100 people. If 10 people watch it when they see it on their timeline, so you're flicking through your um, phone or you're flicking through your mm. desktop and you're looking through YouTube. You've got a split second to capture that person's imagination. So YouTube shows 100 people. Now, you have that split second to capture it because if YouTube um, sees that 10 people have clicked mm. on that video, they'll go, oh, OK, that's pretty good. That's 10%. You've got a 10% click-through rate. 10 people clicked on it when we showed 100 Therefore, 10%. Mm. So what they're going to do now, YouTube going to go, well, we'll find people that like that kind of video and we'll show another 100 and another 10 people watch it from that 100. And they go, oh, 10%, pretty good. We're up the game now. We're going to show 500 new people. So 500 people get to see this, this video that you've just produced, or Steven Spielberg's just produced. And if 50 people watch it, they'll say, yes, yeah, still going really well. 10% is very good click-through rate. That's how a viral video works. Mm. So if the thumbnail doesn't work and Steven Spielberg has just done his major new 20 billion pound movie with a rubbish thumbnail that doesn't capture anybody's imagination, no one will see it. And yeah. that is a travesty because you can make the best production, the best quality, the best value film that you've ever done in your life. But if you don't get the thumbnail right, your viewers mm. won't see it. And it's the people, cover of the book, isn't it? Yeah, it's the cover of the book. Yeah. And you yeah. have to... You, and the worst thing is, you've got a split second to mm. grab somebody by the lapels and say, this is the video you want to watch. It's that good. Mm. And people mm. always say, oh, you don't need to clickbait your videos. You don't need to do that. And you, you, you say, you do, because you wouldn't be watching my videos if I didn't clickbait. Mm. And I don't mean clickbait in, the, in a really bad sense. I know what you mean. I mean draw people in visually. Yeah, legit yeah. bait. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's that's the main crux of YouTube is the thumbnail. Um, mm. Enjoy it, have the passion behind it, 
make a tight edit there's a really good youtube channel at the moment i won't go into huge detail but a, a, a guy called auto shenanigans and he does secrets of the m6 secrets of the m4 he's, he's a very good auto yeah, guy i've seen him he yeah. only does eight nine ten minute long videos I, and I, I don't want to insult him but there's no production in terms of there's no fancy um, music or anything mm. it's just fact 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 drone shortage mm. overlay drone shortage overlay really interesting facts really well researched lovely guy he's very funny but he does a nine minute video and he hits with fact 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 interesting mm. interesting interesting and that's it boom job done he's got 70,000 subscribers he only started like a year ago and he gets 70 plus thousand views per video comfortably and more mm. 150,000 last week 200,000 weekly videos boom 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 continually um hold on my thing's telling me i need to restart windows which i'm not going to do <laughs> but the the point being if you tight make a video tight no gaps no messing around the video we've mm. done this week with um tim door that's not gonna yeah. do very well why because i did a waffly one minute long intro and that i doesn't... liked that intro though i you i had the luxury of seeing the draft of that yes. before I don't know how it's changed since then. I haven't had a chance yet to watch it, and I will, obviously. Um, and I'll, I'll share it as well. But it, I, I think that intro was really, really good. And it would be a shame if that would spoil anything. And I can't see the wood. It's, it's one minute long, and it was, yeah. it was quite cinematic, and I quite like that. And I, and I love that, and I will never stop mm. doing that. But YouTube mm. doesn't like it. Because, yeah. let's say, ten people... You know, five of them may like that for the same reason you do, same reason as I do. I, I like doing a bit of cinematography. I like doing a bit of mm. a mix of different things and the music. And I love that piece of music. So I thought I want mm. to use it. I don't care what I'm using that bit of music. Yep. And but five people will want to skip to the good stuff. They want to go. Well, I want to know what that is. So most of the time, you'll see us start talking about the video straight away. Mm. But I think this, and and that's the point I'm trying to make. You keep it tight. And it will do better than it will if you don't keep it tight, if yeah. that makes sense. Um, and above all, tell a story. Mm. I think the, the 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 journey you go on in that video, again, is one of the most important things. I think if you can capture someone early on in the video and you can sort of, you know, do what we tried to do in the Thames video, which was try and um, give them a hint of what you're doing what went yeah. wrong last time, where you're going with it this time. As long yeah. as you follow a story for a video, I think you've then captured somebody as yeah. well. Um, yeah, exactly. And then you met your mate, how your mates bought it, da 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 da, da that sort of thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but did you see that um, recent Lex Fridman interview with Mr. Beast? Still haven't watched it. Still haven't watched okay. it. Okay. Mm. So not, not to boil down a long interview to, you know, um, a short you know, two points, but he he basically says, I mean, this guy, I don't know how many, he's, he's the most watched person on YouTube. Oh, we're talking and Mr. Beast, yeah, Mr. Beast. Mr. Beast. Yeah. So therefore the most watched filmmaker in history or mm. video maker rather. And, you know, his, his videos, and he, I think his three points were, number one, above everything, above everything, make a good video. Number yeah. two, thumbnail. And number three, if you can, try and give away a million pounds per video. <laughs> now, I, I don't know. 
I don't. I, I doubt number three is something you've yet considered. But uh, <laughs> but but his insight was was fascinating, and he also gave the future of YouTube and all yeah. that sort of stuff. So yeah, um, and okay, I don't think he's been lucky as such. I think there's obviously there's an element of luck, but he's been very clever to get where he yeah. is, and his videos are engaging to a younger audience. I hasten to add. But he is surprisingly intelligent for someone of his age. Yeah. Um, and he had quite a lot to offer in that. And a Lex Fridman interview anyway is always going to give you a lot of information. But yeah. I was I was surprised how insightful Mr. Beast or whatever the hell his real name yeah. is. Anytime you see was. an interview, he is a very clever guy. He knows exactly mm. what he's doing. Mm. Um, obviously, because of his huge mm. success. And yeah, yeah. The give give away a million pounds of video, of course, that <laughs> certainly helps, doesn't it? But but it's a business model. It's mm. yeah, he can give away a million pounds per video because he's making a lot more mm. than a million pounds mm. per video for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, obviously, and um, and his does fluctuate. I mean, he was talking about prize money that he gives out. You know, he said anything above a hundred thousand and it engages people. You know, we gave a hundred thousand people, a hundred thousand to the winner who can stay in this circle the longest or something yeah. like that. And anything a hundred thousand to a million pound didn't make much difference to the viewership. But oh, really? below a hundred hundred thousand pound for most people is a life changing amount of money. Yeah. And below that it's it it's not perceived as being as life changing anyway. Oh, okay. But I, I met one of your uh your and Rebecca's biggest fans online uh last week. Week before week before last. Right. And he's he's only i I'm not gonna mention him by name uh, but he's only subscribed to two channels. One of them is yours, uh, <laughs> and the other one is Michael Portillo's. So okay. I don't know what read into that what you will, but um, yeah, Brilliant. You're, you're you're in the same kind of uh, category as Michael Portillo. Michael Portillo. I need to start wearing some funky funky trousers, don't I? In that case, yes. Or you need to, you you've, you're halfway there with the received pronunciation as well. Yeah. <laughs> brilliant yeah. right so I, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna waffle too much more that about how to make a youtube video really it's it's mm. it's um it's been such a wonderful weird learning curve and journey for mm. us that we're still learning every day and yeah. uh, i don't want to sort of say yay we're great because we've, we still learn every day and we still make mistakes every day yeah. but it's a fascinating learning curve really and um mm. yeah Oh, the one last thing, which I'm sure Mr. Beast would agree with. You can't stop. No. You, you can't have no. a break because your no. subs will drop and your views, the following video. And again, people will always be kind and say, mm. have a week off. We'll still be here. And you kind of want to say some, you won't I think be. that depends on the type of video though, doesn't it? Because who's that guy who did Unfinished London? Who oh, does Jay Foreman. London? Yes, Jay Foreman. So Jay, Jay Foreman only makes a video once every few months. But yeah. His method of making videos looks very intensive. I mean, yeah. every single shot is is. Um, I think it's very difficult. He's trying to get a lot of content into a small video, yeah. and the precision that he needs to do that in, as well as doing the humour that he does, yeah. involves a, a hell of a lot of cutting and um, you know turning up in places just for a two second shot and stuff like that so i can see that those videos probably take half a year to make and that's yeah. for him probably the appeal of his channel but yeah. that's different to most people most people are you know just want nice good enthralling content and, you know people say about your videos they say about i think it was anna dylan said it was a, a rabbit hole that she found herself down after two or three of them 
and uh, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's how people will try and offer. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you, Jay. Yeah. He's got the benefit of being incredibly funny. Oh, and yeah. and I think yeah, yeah as really you say, funny. you he's got a, a ten minute video. Every mm. second, there is something funny, a little yeah. Easter egg going on in the background. Yeah. And yeah, it must take him. Well, it clearly takes him months to make a video. Um, yes. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on. So I think he's almost the exception that proves a rule that. Yeah. Yeah, he, I haven't know. seen anyone else do it that way. Uh, yeah. You know, every single and it, I think videos work along the same method as podcasts. You see. Every podcast that I listen to, I mean, I mean, the notable one, one of my favourites is Chris Williamson's Modern Wisdom, and he produces two podcasts a week, and they're right. on YouTube and Spotify and Apple yeah. thingy, um, and yet he has big guests. You know, every single yeah. guest who comes along is, is huge, and the, the amount of work is. I, the guy probably never sleeps, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, he he relies on frequency above everything else. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think yeah, Jay Foreman is 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 definitely the exception. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I've had stuff. a few, I've had a few mysteries sent in. By I've got a couple as well, Edley. We got we got a nice you? little mystery section this week. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I I don't know if many. But well, let's start with yours because. Let's start with yours. Uh, there's probably just stuff ideas for future discussions rather than, you know. Yeah, good point. Well, we can we can almost tick off again. We're not going to we're not going to detail here, but we can almost tick off the the source of the Thames. I think we've done that. Now. This could be the last time we mention it ever. Watch the video though, and I, I'm video. I'm not I don't stand to gain monetarily, so I'm just saying watch the video because I've seen <laughs> your first draft of it, and I think it's just such a good day. But anyway, yeah, watch the video. I also want to, but one thing I want to ask people, it's not so much a mystery, but it almost is a mystery, is I want to get back onto the sunken lanes. Mm. So if people... Holloways. Sunken lanes, sunken ways, all that sort of thing. If yeah. people want to let us know where their local sunken mm. lane is, I'd be really appreciative of that. We, I've, I've identified maybe six or seven in Dorset. Mm. Um, we're meeting a lady that draws maps very soon. Um and we're going to go and meet her in one of those sunken lanes. But if anyone knows any more, like, even in, in Wiltshire, other than Urchform, mm. I'd love to know. Wherever you are, wherever you are in the country mm. listening to this podcast, um, yep. get in touch with us on social media and tell us about the sunken lanes in your neck of the woods and send us some pictures because we'd love to see them. Mm. Yep. Um, also, I had an email from a chap called Arthur Edison um, who said, What is Grim's Ditch? Now, it's funny, but I, I had no intention of talking about Grim's Ditch earlier. But now we've talked about it, and I look a right idiot yeah. because I've written down what is um, what is Grim's Ditch. And the answer is we don't know. But yeah, exactly, yeah. But then, yeah. but again, you've already said, Headley, mm. is there any good um, academic papers, any evidence? Mm. That we'd love to know more about Grim's Ditch. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're armchair, you know, sort yeah. of enthusiasts of all these wonderful landscape features. Yeah. So, um, yeah. He also said, and I've no idea where this is, but again, it's one of me and you can look at perhaps in a week. Chedbury Hillfort. Cadbury. No, Cadbury. Because I had one asking about Cadbury Castle. Oh, I don't. I was. I'm, this guy's written Chedbury. C H E. That's Chedbury. Ah, no, I think there is a Chedbury. Beg your pardon. Right. Yes. But the quirk of Chedbury is it's not on a hill. Right. And again, I. This could be completely right. It could be leading up the garden path. But Chedbury mm. Hillfort isn't on a hill. So mm. he said, have a look, see what you think. 
So and also Avebury as well. Avebury is effectively a hill fort that's not on a hill, surrounded yeah. by hills. But yeah. Yeah. Was that for protection of its, or not protection? Was that more of a henge that they weren't overly infused at other people seeing? So they put the, um, the mm. bank around it to act as yeah. a. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Right, so that, I, that's me for mysteries. That's you. So, okay. You, so, <clears throat> okay. So, just to finish this off, I've got a few. So, um, again, I'm not going to put names against these, but uh, one says one person. This is this is a video in itself. Define Wessex. <laughs> Two words. <laughs> Define Wessex. So, Wessex. The mm. way I see it is the boundaries of the Kingdom of Wessex have changed wildly. You know. This is the saying, the scope of something like this podcast for Wessex, you can pick your point in time that suits your map best, basically. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of people now see Wessex as maybe a, some cutesy marketing name as a result, but people still refer to it. I see even historians that I've spoken to recently refer to the area of Wessex in its current sort of form. Um yeah. Next one. Where was William Marshall's Manor in? Oh, I can't read my own writing. It <laughs> looks like Cav- Caversham, I think. So, if that is Caversham, that's just down the road from here. Mm. I know nothing about that, but that's maybe okay. That's maybe something fine. So, there's obviously a manor yeah. house there missing. Uh, what is the significance of Wands Dyke? There we go. So that can yeah. be put into the Grimm's Ditch folder, I think. But it, I think what, with Wands Dyke. The likelihood is that, like Grimm's Ditch, it was kind of a, a defensive partition barrier, but probably in places or in its entirety, maybe the edge of Wessex itself, where it met Mercia at some point. So, yeah, I, um, I, I, did, did um, Paul and Paul Glenn not suggest yeah. that uh, Bristol University or somebody would, uh, was going to publish a paper soon? Mm. Mm. Well, really let's hope so. I mean, yeah, so uh, Paul and Glynn remain my main area of validation for anything that relates to Wiltshire, certainly. So, mm. um, yeah. Um, so the next one, as I said before, Cadbury Castle. Yep. Was it actually Camelot? So that then leads you on to did Arthur exist, etc., etc. Yeah, I went to Cadbury Castle um, a few weeks back. Terrible weather, didn't see much. Um, mm. But I'm intrigued. It's a really hilly area, um, really beautiful, and you can see Glastonbury Tor from the top. Very yeah. unusual layout. Um, I need to go back there and do some proper photography and read up on it before I go. But a lot of people suggesting that might have been Camelot, and then a lot of people uh, going against that and saying, "No, don't be silly. It wasn't Camelot, and it wasn't Arthur, and blah blah blah." So yeah. I think that's that's an interesting one, if maybe controversial. Mm. One of them mentioned Churn Holt, believe it or not. Oh, really? There's a lot of coincidences here, yeah. Yeah. Churn Holt. Um something about Sir Gilbert Maxwell oh, Sir Gilbert Moral Maxwell's picture. Again, my writing is terrible. I should type this. Um <laughs> so that's obviously a a picture that maybe we need to have a look at, investigate on Churn Holt. I've got a few and old finally, pictures actually, so I'll have a look. Have I'll you? have a look. Yeah. Hmm. And finally, Cern Abbas Giant. Um, yep. the guy on the hill with the big willy. <laughs> I 
I can say that, can't I? <laughs> so basically, I guess what they're asking there is for history and reasoning why you would paint a large angry man wielding a stick on the side of a hill um, in the buff with... Yeah. yeah. I mean, who knows? <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. there, there must be something out there on it, mustn't there? But again, yeah. it's, it's down to... Maybe it's why is it sticking up and not down, but let's not do that. <laughs> it's getting late. <laughs> it's getting late, isn't it? <laughs> All right, well, we got there's a lot of mysteries there. Yeah. So, you know, let, let's do the usual thing of asking our listeners to get in touch with any sort of mm. lovely little answers to that. I'm really mm. keen for people to tell me more about Grim's Ditch um, mm. and what that is all about, basically. Yeah. And and I think it goes without saying, I mean, again, we don't benefit monetarily from these podcasts, but I think it's it's shown because we've got a few people listening, we've had a few mysteries come in and, and it would be nice if this could sort of, if you could kind of like it and share it and all yeah, that. Yeah, kind tell, of, tell I, your friends about it. Yeah. I feel quite cheap saying all that, but I do want this to, to grow and I do... I do like, you know, some of the responses we're getting. And please leave a comment, good or bad, below. Comment, comment, yeah. comment. We've, I love the comments on the YouTube. I can only see the ones on the YouTube site, obviously, but I love the comments that we've been getting on previous videos. It's been really, really good. Yeah, Lots yeah. of really, really good listeners who really engaged. So, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Right, I reckon we've probably waffled enough, Eddie. Do you think so? Are you, have you waffled I out? Think, I think so. I'm starting to feel it in my voice. <laughs> That's something for me. <laughs> Super stuff. Well, as ever, people, thanks for listening. Uh, we can be found on social media. We shall put all the different links in the um, doobly-doo or doobly-doo or whatever Rebecca says below. But we're largely active on Twitter and mm. also in Headley's Facebook group. Uh, what's it called? Ridgeways and Ancient Trackways? It's uh, the Ridgeway and Ancient Trackways of Britain. Which it's, is it's not just mine. It's, it was founded by um, someone else, and I'm just one of the people that run it. But yeah, yeah it's enough. it's a really fascinating group. Yeah, so come and come and join the chit chat on social media because we we hang out a lot on there, and we're often we do. waffling to all sorts of weird and wonderful people. Yeah, mm. definitely. There we go. We're done. Thanks, Edley. Thank you very much, Paul. And right. uh, we will uh, we will reconvene in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah. See Thanks you everyone. then. Cheers. <laughs>